Well, amen. Thank you, Michelle, for reading of that scripture. And hello once again, everybody. My name is James. I'm one of the pastors here at Living Hope. And uh, hello to you all watching online, whether you are a seasoned Living Hope member or if you're visiting us today for the first time, in Jesus' name, welcome. Can I ask you to take a moment right now to say hello to one another, use emojis, use hearts, um, whatever it is that, that you like. Uh, let's recognize each other's presence as we are church together. And today, I want to ask you to actually acknowledge people by their names, whether it's your friends or somebody that you know or even somebody that you don't know. Let's take a moment right now in whatever medium that you are using to watch to say hello to one another. Thank you so much for uh, doing that. And the reason why this is so important for us to do, recognizing one another in an online space as we worship together is because I believe that deep down inside, we as human beings have a need and desire to know others and to be known by them. And that's how relationships go. Uh, and I believe that this is still true with our relationship with God, that we want to know God and we want to be known by God. You know, Pastor Steve last Sunday taught us out of Jesus' parable of the sower. And I believe uh, out of the lessons that he gave, the four hearts and the desirable receptive heart, what I take away, um, at least one of the things that I take away, is that in the kingdom of God, in a God-human relationship, God is calling us to be partners with him, which means that God has a specific role that he can play, and we have been given specific roles to play. And in fact, the parables, the two short parables that Michelle has read for us this morning, has teachings about what roles that God plays and what roles that the people of God play in this God-human partnership over receptive hearts. Before we dive into it, can we pray together? Let's pray. Jesus, in your name, I confess to you that it is you who speak to us. God, use this time and use me. Make our hearts into good soil. Let it be a time where more of you are shown and less of me. God, may you encourage and convict, embolden and empower your people today. Move your people, God, using your word. Help us to be lovers of your word. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So um, sports is starting again, and I bet some of you are very excited for this, uh, and others might not care. Uh, and yet others might be a little upset, um, thinking, well, why are these activities going on again, knowing that um, it might be at greater risk for COVID? Uh, this might not just be a good um, message to show to the rest of our society uh, because we are still going through a global uh, pandemic. And for me, as I was watching sports coming back, baseball and basketball this week, it reminded me of that last time that I got to play a little bit of organized sports. And it was for a church tournament, um, not at Living Hope, but at some other church. And uh, to be honest, I, I didn't play because I'm such a good basketball player or that I can offer like specific skill sets that 
uh, that the team uh, I was playing for, but rather it was because I'm a pastor. I, I didn't know that an additional benefit to being a pastor is that I get to play organized sports. And I just knew a group of guys uh, at the church, and they didn't, they loved basketball, but they didn't really know any other pastors, and, but they knew me kind of, and so uh, they asked me to play because the rule of this church tournament was that every team needs to have a pastor on it. And so I said, sure, you know, I'll play with you guys. And I, I, I tried my best. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I played hard. And I guess they recognized me in doing that because I found myself playing in the finals of that tournament. And in one particular play, I remember dribbling up the ball, or dribbling up the court, um, and suddenly I found the best player on the opposing team guarding me. Now, let me tell you, for those of you who don't play basketball, that that is not supposed to happen. <laughs> that the best player on the opposing team is supposed to guard the best player on my team, and I was clearly not the best player on my team. And come to think of it, actually, the, the, the guy who was guarding me was a, a pastor of that team too, and it's just that he was one of those blessed pastors with athleticism and, and skill set, which, you know, I am not, but... Whatever. Um, he was a tall man too. So he guarded me and then I froze and, and he knew that I froze. And so he just kind of backed away and I was uh, in a place where I was a few steps behind a three-point line and I was holding the ball like this and he was basically daring me to shoot. And so I looked to my teammates and my teammates wanted me to shoot too. They, they didn't want me to pass him the ball. So I was like, all right, you asked for it. So in one smooth motion, I got up and I just shot the ball. And to my surprise, and I think to everyone's surprise, it was a clean hit. Bam, three-pointer. And everyone in the gym was going crazy. And yeah, that was like my five seconds of glory. Uh, and, and I like to tell you that we actually won the game. And so, you know, I'm a champion. Yeah, I got, after the tournament, I, I got invited to the coveted Thursday night league at this church. Uh, this church was kind of a, a ballless life, uh, kind of a place where a lot of people were into basketball, men and women. And um, eat, almost every night, it seemed, the church's gym had people playing basketball. And Thursday night was known to be more of like a serious night where people who really cared about the game of basketball and working on their craft come out and play. And so I was kind of proud of myself that I was invited to this league. And so I went out, like I was super nervous and pretty excited and I did my best in that game. But man, I ended up having the most miserable time. I, in fact, the entire game felt like I was weathering a storm. Have you been there before? Maybe you are an avid basketball player or maybe you are not. Um, but whatever it is, sports, uh, studying, uh, arts, uh, I don't know, maybe just life right now. Um, have you been in a place where you're just feeling like, man, I have to, I have to just get through this. That's it. Like, I, I just need to weather this thing out. You know, when Pastor Steve shared with us the chart last Sunday showing us that about a third of American believers, believers, people who are practicing Christians are skipping Sunday worship altogether during COVID. I, I mean, I was shocked and worried. Um, in fact, I want to tell you, Living Hope, that uh, our pastoral staff, like we, we are really praying for you. Um, we're, we're, 
trying our best to figure out why some of these disengagement and disinterest apathy are happening. And of course, you know, the anxiety and, and the loss that I think some of us are experiencing are real. And, and that's why I think it's happening. But I've been just asking, can it be something else? Or can it be some other thing that's in play here? And the best I have it so far is that I think some of us have fallen into this trap of weathering the storm mentality. Meaning, oh, I'll just come back to church once COVID is over. Or, you know what? I'll do this Jesus thing again once this is ending. Once a new normal is here, I'm just gonna weather this thing out. And I wonder if this is because this mentality is because we're not aware of our roles in the kingdom of God. On that Thursday league night, (laughs) that stressful night, the guys kept telling me, dude, you missed your spot. And I'm like, what spot, bro? What spot? I I didn't know that in the game of basketball, you have your spots. I didn't know that it was just running around and shooting the ball into a hoop. Turns out there's a spot that everybody has. And if you don't know what the spot is, it's okay. It wasn't that important. It's not important to me, at least. But there's a role that each individual, each player is called to play. And because I had no idea what that role was, I found myself getting disinterested, discouraged, disengaged, and ultimately just apathetic, not in it at all and weathering things out. And I wonder, during this season of COVID, spiritually speaking, if some of us are going through something similar, disinterested, disengaged, apathetic, weathering the storm out. And I wonder if that's because we're missing our spots. We don't understand what the role that we're supposed to play in the kingdom. You know, in these parables, the parable of growing seed and the parable of the mustard seed, I believe that Jesus is teaching us about specific roles that God is playing and specific roles that human beings are to play. Let me start out with the first one, the role that God has. I would summarize it as that in the kingdom of God, between in the God-human relationship, that God has the part of allowing the growing of the seed and bearing of the fruits. Let me say that again. In the kingdom of God, I believe that the role of God is to allow the seeds to grow and to allow the bearing of the fruits fruit. And the point and the emphasis is in the the drastic growing and the bearing of the fruit, where you are starting out small, but you are growing big. Take a look at verse 28, where it says, the earth produces by itself. It turns out this word, the earth, is the same word that in the parable of the soil, Jesus uses as good soil. Now, if we're following the same logic where the sower is God and the soil is a human heart and hopefully a receptive heart, this is a little questionable because 
are we meaning the soil or the human heart produces spiritual fruit by itself? I mean, simple reason tells us no, of course not. So scholars say that actually, even though these two smaller parables are sort of corollary teachings following up the parable of the sower, the parable from last Sunday, that biblical scholars say that the concept is the same, but the variables have been, variables have been interchanged. Meaning the sower in these two parables are now God's people. And God is the one who is sort of behind the scenes, but yet still somehow in control. In spite of all the littleness or in spite of all the seeming nothing going on-ness, that's not even a word, but you know what I'm trying to say, that God is allowing and making it happen so that these seeds are growing and eventually fruits are going to be bared and that the amount of fruit that is going to be bared is going to be incomparable insurmountable. It's going to be unimaginable. It's going to be incomparable to the little seed that is going to be planted. Take a look at the parable of the mustard seed. Jesus says that the mustard seed is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Now, it's actually not the smallest seeds of all the earth. There are smaller seeds. It's just a figure of speech saying that it's really, really small. But it goes to become the largest garden plants, larger than all the garden plants. And not only that, it puts out large branches so that birds of the air can come and rest and other life starts to sprout. The pattern that Jesus is showing here in these two parables is that you start out with something that seems to have little to no life, and it becomes some sort of life form. And not only that, it takes even a further step, becomes this huge life-giving force that shoots out life into other creatures and other things. And turns out that the tree reference that Jesus is using was a well-known Old Testament biblical references that people of his audience, the original audience, would have all understood. In Ezekiel chapter 17, there's a prophecy over Israel where prophet Ezekiel says on behalf of God, the Lord God is making you Israel, people of God, into a tree that you are right now under the oppression of Babylon, but what God is going to do to you, he's going to bring you back into your own nation, into your own group of people. In fact, he's not going to stop there, but that he's going to raise you up into a nation that is going to bless all the other nations. And we know that prophecy has taken place because the nation of Israel has given us Jesus and that Jesus birthed his church through the spirit of God and that we are Christians today. We are disciples of Christ today because of that spiritual movement. We know that this prophecy has come true. In Daniel chapter four, prophet Daniel speaks to the King Nebuchadnezzar who had a dream of a tree growing a sprout into becoming a tree and then bursting into the scene of an entire nature where birds are coming from the air and other things are sprouting and life is given to the entire scene because of this tree. And Daniel says, King Nebuchadnezzar, you are that tree. The Lord God of Israel is using you 
is going to make you prosperous, is going to raise you up for his purposes. And you're not only going to become a tree of life, but you are going to give out other lives into other creatures. The pattern is the same. And turns out in history, this king was not always a king. He was a son of a rebel. That he was not born from a royal lineage. But he became this king. And not only that, he becomes an emperor. The greatest king that ironically Babylon, the oppressor, has known. You see, church, I want to encourage you. I want to remind you today that you have a God who wants to, who can, who has, and who will bear fruits 30, 60, 100 times. And that's not just an exact number. It's just to say that God is going to do amazing and incredible things. Your life right now might not look like much, especially if you are a young adult. Maybe you were laid off from your job. Maybe you were looking for a job. Maybe you are a recent grad, but you can't find jobs because the markets are so tough. Or maybe you're a parent and you're deciding between risking your child's health versus risking social relational development. I just want to say that you have a God who understands your sufferings. But not only does he understand your sufferings, your difficulties, the pains that you are going through, I want to assure you that God has shown patterns of restoration. And not just a restoration. God is going to bless you. That's your destiny in God. And I'm not talking about physical health and financial blessing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel, the health and wealth gospel. But spiritually speaking, you have victory in Christ. In Jesus, we have been adopted into, his, into the Father. And because of that, we have the guarantee of eternity in his Holy Spirit. Amen. I want you to know that no matter what kind of life you're going through, no matter how troubled you feel at this time, no matter how nothing and small and little you feel like you can offer to God, I want you to know that God is going to restore you. And not only is he going to restore you into a profit, into a place of breaking even, he's going to make you profitable. He's going to make you into this tree that where birds are going to come and nest in your life, where other people, other things are going to have life because of you. And that's the type of God that you have. Rest assured, church, trust in him. That is his role in his kingdom. But church, make no mistakes that our role, we got to do our part. And our part is to sow the seeds. To sow the seeds. In the first parable, the parable of the growing seed, Jesus says in verse 27, the sower sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He does not know how. He does not know how. Actually, when we think about the original audience, first century Jewish Palestinians, they would have known how. It wasn't true that they didn't know how. This was more of an agriculture-driven, farming-central 
I don't even know if that's a reasonable phrase, but it was a different society than the one that we're living in right now as a 21st century Americans. Of course, in the USA, there's farming done. There's plenty of agriculture that our country does. But I'm going to bet that we here serving to make this service happen, and those of you who are watching at home, I would bet that agriculture and farming is not a real felt aspect of your daily life. Is that right? I'm not saying that the original audience listening to Jesus' parable were all farmers. They were not. Jesus himself was a carpenter, as it's known. And he was a first century Jewish Palestinian. But history tells us that this society, this, this group of people, were really keen to farming and agriculture. Generally speaking, the population were much more aware of what farming was. They depended on it, life and death. So it's actually not true that the sower went out to sow and he didn't know how it grew. Actually, people knew. Why did Jesus do that? I think it's to emphasize, emphasize the action of sowing. Because when we take a look at the next parable, the parable of the mustard seed, in verse 31, Jesus says, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest seed of all the earth. Now, if we stop here and think for a moment, isn't it true that what is smallest seed is still the smallest, whether it's sown on the ground or not? I mean, right? Like, a small seed is a small seed regardless of whether it's in the ground or not. But Jesus specifically says, and Mark records, that when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. And he repeats this in verse 32. When it is sown, it grows up. I mean, that's a little obvious. Why did Jesus say that? I think he was trying to make a point. And the point is, is that in the kingdom of God, God is the one who is growing the seed and bearing fruit. And once again, much, much fruit. But that we have been given a role. And that role is to sow the seeds of his word into our hearts, into the ground, into the soil. And can I ask you, church, can I ask us, are we sowing the seed? Would you say, that in our daily lives, that we are sowing the seeds of the word of God. And I think some of us, the answer is a confident yes, and praise the Lord for that. But I would also bet that for some of us, the answer is a clear no. And that's okay. I, I'm not trying to guilt trip you. Whether you have been reading the word faithfully or not, I want to take our spiritual desire a little bit higher. Maybe much higher, actually. Because sowing the seed, farming, agriculture, it was a matter of societal life and death. It wasn't a casual thing, sort of an offshoot thing that we didn't really understand that we casually assumed into cows and tractors. But it was a matter of groups, life, and death, national existence for these people. And I think Jesus is trying to make a point here by using a parable, parables of scattering the seed and sowing and growing the fruit. I think he was trying to make a point 
that sowing the seed of his word ought to be the same. It ought to be the matter of life and death for us. That it wasn't this casual obligation of, okay, I'm going to do my chapter of Bible a week, which is great, by the way. I would always rather have us read one chapter, two chapters of Bible than not. But church, can we say that sowing the seeds of the word of God perhaps looks more like loving the word of God, cherishing the word of God, adoring the word of God, pursuing the word like there is no tomorrow, matter of life and death, going after it like we're so hungry and desperate and thirsty that we would literally die without the word of God. And can I ask you, is that where we are? Or have we just been weathering the storm? I want to urge us, urge myself especially, to start dancing in the rain instead of weathering the storm. Because truth is, we don't know when COVID's going to end. I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm hoping that it will end sooner rather than later. But we don't know. But a greater truth, I believe, is that whether COVID is bad or it gets worse or it gets better, that all things in this universe belong to our God, that we are living in the kingdom of God, which means that God is the king. Kingdom of God is simply where God is king. And he is our king. And this king, he's engaging us in this partnership where his role is to bear much, much fruit, unimaginable, incomparable, beyond and above our understanding kind of fruit with a little that we can offer. But this king is calling us to play our role, the role of sowing the seeds. I wonder on that one Thursday night of basketball, what would have happened if I didn't just weather the storm? And if I learned how to dance in the rain? And I wonder if we, as people of God, stop weathering the storm, stop waiting until COVID ends so we can supposedly return to Christ, I wonder what would happen if we all started to dance in the rain, to start scattering the seeds of the word of God, to start loving his word, to start chasing after it, to start pursuing it like our life dependent on it. I wonder what would happen to our own spiritual lives and the spiritual lives of those that are around us. Because in the kingdom of God, God is the grower and the bearer of the fruit. But God wants to work, partner with us to make all of that happen when we sow the seeds on the ground. Would you join me in prayer?
Jesus, I confess to you that I'm not worthy of your goodness and grace. You are God who grows the seeds and bears much fruit. And God, this is all you're doing. I just pray that we as a church and all those who are watching, visiting us for the first time and maybe even skeptical of your truth and of your love, that your spirit would convict us and you would help us, God, to sow your seeds and not just casually, not just out of obligation, but with all that we have, with our mind, heart, and strength, God. May we pursue you. May we adore you, God. May we uphold your word. May we internalize it. May we become lovers and doers of your holy word so that you would use us to be like that tree, to grow and to bear fruit, not just for ourselves, O oh God, but for this world that is hurting. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.